Hello friends, uh, that was a door opening if you just caught that. Uh, <laughs> I'm Mark Heath. I'm your host of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. Ipswich Town is still top of the table. They've won four games in a row. These are all facts. It's a happy Monday. I'm joined by two of my fellow Kings today. The King of Kings, which of course is the Dr. Stuart Watson, the most important King amongst us. Watto, how are you after your long trip to Shrewsbury? I'm good, thank you. You say it's a happy Monday. Your tone suggests otherwise. You haven't got your. I thought we were going to have a a rip roaring, over excitable Mark Heath intro today, but you, you're obviously really trying very hard to uh, to keep yourself grounded this season. I like I'll, it. I'll admit I was slightly thrown off by the door opening and closing. Just I started the intro, um, so it was a bit of a shambles. Apologise, friends. Uh, and we're joined today by the man who's just come back from Budapest. I can only imagine the havoc that was wreaked in Budapest when you were there, Rossi. Obviously, you didn't drive. Um, how are you? How was your week off or your four days off? It was very good. Um, yeah, a lot of alcohol was consumed. Um, Budapest is very cheap. Pints are just incredibly cheap, like pound twenty in English pounds. Um, but a very beautiful city. Um, I did throw up once during the trip. So, um, yeah, Prosecco nice. got the best of me. We went on a cruise and a lot of Prosecco was consumed and uh, I mixed my drinks. Yeah. I didn't have you down as a Prosecco drinker, Rossi. What what, was, what on earth was, was happening there? It was a basically a bottomless Prosecco cruise, basically unlimited Prosecco. So just loads of just, like, yeah. It was a what nice was, cruise, though. What was the occasion? What was it? It was at Stagdew or something? No, it was my friend's birthday. My friend's birthday. And she wanted to go to Budapest. And we all just went, yeah, let's do it. So your review would be beautiful. beautiful. What, 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 what else would you describe Budapest as? Um... Of course, it was August, so it was sunny, so hot, um, cheap, as I said. Uh, did, I nice see, people. Did, I, did I see yeah. you went to some sort of out, very posh outdoor swimming pool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, a spa. I don't know how to pronounce the correct name for it because it has got a like, Hungarian name for it, but I won't try that. But yeah, I went into a sauna, went into a, a, an ice bath. So I went in a sauna and then went into an ice bath, which was really yeah. nice after being in a sauna. But uh, no, it was a very nice spa. Um, Spas and Prosecco, this is as far from the stag do that was sold to me than, than humanly possible. You've changed, Rossi. You've absolutely yeah, it, changed. Um, it wasn't a stag, of, though. What kind of food were you in, uh, taking in, Rossi? It was just loads of meat. Just loads of meat. And, um, yeah, so that makes it change it a bit. It changes a bit from Prosecco to loads of meat, loads of burgers and such. Just loads of meat. And you threw up off Prosecco on a boat. Yeah. Yes. Did you just go over the side with it, or no? That was um, that was a few hours after. I uh, we okay. went into like um, they got a ruins, basically um, Hungarian ruins where their bars is, and it's I had one drink. Then. <laughs> ruins the ruins, <laughs> yeah, basically, basically, and yeah, that was uh, that was my, my my night done. So I just basically explored the city at four a.m. just trying to get back to where we lived because um, it was like half an hour away. So um, no, it was a good so... time. Ross Hall's travel reviews, it's a big thumbs up to Budapest. Yes. What saying. Just just yes. lay off the Prosecco, perhaps. Yes. Excellent. Um, someone else who may have been on the Prosecco this weekend, I don't know, Stu, obviously you had a long journey, but uh, a, a frankly ridiculous early shout from last week has come true, which I'm now going to press you as to whether you're going to double down on. You said that if it was town won, as Andy Warren had predicted, both games to nil last week, which they duly did, beat Burton and then followed it up with a 3-0 tonking of Shrewsbury, that you then would vow, guarantee, that Ipswich Town would at least make the top six. 
Um, that has now come to pass. Are you doubling down on that or do you want to go back a little bit? Because you then predicted 1-1, I think, as your, as your prediction. I did. Mark, I doubled down on it. I guarantee that Ipswich will finish in the top six of this division. Wow. I, just, I, I know we're only five games in. I know we've been here before. I know there's a long way to go. But from what I've seen so far and how things have unfolded across the division, I can't see how this team, this squad, cannot finish in the top quarter of this division. That would be a monumental failure if they don't finish in the top six. So mm. I'm doubling down on it. There four we go. Clean sheets, four straight wins, top of the table, top six guaranteed. Andy Warren seems to think that a guarantee only works if there's some sort of um, punishment that goes with it. If they don't, I've got to do something. Right. He's um, he's working on trying to come up with something on that. Maybe the listeners could help out. I like it. Um, should mention. So let's let's commit this to to to, to record. It's it's just gone eight minutes past one on Monday, the twenty second of August, twenty twenty two. Stuart the Doctor, Stone Cold Stuart Watson has just guaranteed that Ipswich Town are going to at least finish top six. There we go, friends. I'm all over that. Write it down. Watson has spoken. Uh, I should also mention on the subject of Watson speaking. If you're watching this video, and I know we didn't put the videos out last week, there is a, a kind of a nineteen eighty five esque delay on the line uh, with Watson speaking and the noise coming out, and also. He's also blurred the background because of the horrors behind him. Um, currently mid-renovation of Watson Towers, isn't it, Stewie? It's not like any anything that's uh, potentially illegal behind you. No, just junk. The uh, We're getting some carpets done at the moment. So um, the entirety of the top half of our house is all crammed into the very small room that I work from. So I've blurred it. And it's created quite a comedic delay, hasn't it? As you said in the, before we started recording, it's a bit Eurovision 1980s when they're getting the scores come in from Moldova. Um, yeah. The, the, the images are not matching up with the sound at all. I'm sure if we're clever, we could have some fun with that. But um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. So let's move on, uh, boys. Great to be in your company. Obviously, Hutchie is away. Big Porker is away as well. We rotate the squad once again. Um and let's start with, with something that's happened this morning, Stewie, sexy stuff-wise. Um, Tyree Simpson, the long-running Tyree Simpson saga, looks like it's coming to an end now. Um, do you want to bring listeners up to speed with what the latest is on that? Um, and then we can have a little chat about it. Yeah, deal finally agreed for the sale of Tyree Simpson, and that is with Huddersfield, Championship Club Huddersfield. And I think this is a very good deal that Ipswich have, have, have got for him, given the circumstances surrounding him, the fact that he's going into the last year of his contract with no option now. £500,000 guaranteed with the potential for it to rise into a healthy seven figures with potential add-ons uh, and also a, a decent little sell-on um, clause um, negotiated as well, which is the, the Mark Ashton way. It's what he did at Bristol City. It's what he's managed um, with with Ipswich as well. So um, that's agreed. Does that mean that he's definitely going to end up at Huddersfield? Not necessarily. I think there's still a bit of work to be done on personal terms between Tyree Simpson, his representatives, and, and Huddersfield. And there's a few other clubs that have been sniffing around him this summer. Um, 
Luton, Middlesbrough, Hull in the Championship, Barnsley and Peterborough just come down to League One. Of those clubs, I would, from what I gather, Luton have probably shown the, the strongest interest. That goes right the way back to January when he's recalled from that loan spell um, from Swindon. So will Luton or A another come to the party late now? We shall see. But it's looking like uh, Ipswich Town are going to are going to get a decent little um decent little amount of money for Tyree Simpson before the window slams shut next Thursday. Yeah, Thursday the 1st of September, if you're asking, 11pm. Um, there's two two strands to this then. So you touched on one there, which is the, the deal itself, the amount of money that Town will be getting for Tyrese. And then obviously there's the question about whether it's the right thing to do to sell him. 500k for a largely unproven striker is, in my opinion, unbelievable business. Is that? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Where Ipswich are at as a football club at the moment, um, we know they're... Their ambitions have have moved on in the last year or so since the takeover. Um, there was a time where the only way Ipswich Town were going to progress as a football club under Marcus Evans and and the, the paired back spending was to hope that in the traditions of Ipswich Town a crop of youngsters came through and um, either took you to the next level or or at least raised you the money that you could reinvest uh, in the way that. You know George Burley did after after sales back back in the day, but um, the goalposts have moved significantly at Ipswich Town now in terms of who they can recruit and what they can do. Um, and yeah, we, we enough has been said about the impasse with Tyree Simpson and how that all kind of played out quite messily. Um, Ipswich have been prepared to dig their heels in, stay strong on their valuation, um, and uh, I think as I said. Just at the start there, I think they've they've managed to get themselves and negotiate themselves a decent amount of money for Tyree Simpson. Hopefully this goes through for all parties now because Tyree Simpson won't want to lose another year of his career, having sort of uh, been sidelined for the last six months. And Ipswich Town, I think, having negotiated a good deal, will want this to go through because if it doesn't and Tyree Simpson hangs about for another year in, in the reserves then it would go to a tribune, tribunal fee. Went very Suffolk there, didn't I? Tribunal. Um, <laughs> next next summer, and there's no guarantee that Ipswich would get that same sort of money for him if you're talking about a, a panel sitting down and deciding what his value is 18 months without a you know without kicking a ball in anger. So uh, hopefully these last few sort of kinks in the deal get ironed out and it, and it all goes through. And um, yeah, we're, Tyree Simpson hopefully will you know go on to, go on to do well both for him and for Ipswich and um, Ipswich will will turn their attentions to to what they're doing obviously. Hmm. So hopefully no tribunal as Ross would say. Um, Rossi, decent money obviously if that is indeed what they get for Tyrese. But what do you make of the club selling Tyree Simpson, getting rid of him? It's obviously parallels there with Jordan Rhodes back in the day, hmm. uh, particularly if he does go to Huddersfield. And the obvious question is, is this a deal, a move, a decision that you fear could come back to bite town one day? I saw it as a possibility, really, with definitely academy players. You know, look at Liam Gibbs. I know we that's a different situation, but he's, you know, he's, of course, now playing for Norwich in the championship. I think he's always mm. destined to play at a high level. Um, Tyree Simpson, one, is, is, is an interesting case in it because he just had one brief half a season on loan and lead to scored a few goals fair play to him um we've spoken 
so much about this. Tyree Simpson, he's 20 years old. Um, he's still got lots of... He's still a very raw striker. Hmm. Um, I think it can bite us in the butt, or he'll just drop down the leagues and he'll be forgotten about and we'll move on to the next upcoming striker at the football club. Um, I think it's a great bit of business. We can get a fee for him. It sounds like we are going to get a fee. Um, good on sell-on clauses as well. Yeah, it's disappointing how it's ended, but I think a lot of town fans have moved on now. I think they're gone, yeah, whatever, move on. Mm. Um, some people are saying good riddance that, you know, they're, they're actually sick to death of hearing about Tyree Simpson. Is he going to be here? Is he going to play? Um, it's a shame how it's all unfolded, but um, yeah, good bit of business. Would that be your summation, Stewie? I mean, clearly with the Rhodes thing, I think fans were a lot more upset when when Rhodes was sold back in the day and ultimately he did go on to have a very successful career. Do you, any sense that that might be the case with Tyrese? You never know, do you, truly, where, where mm. these players are going to go. For a, for a championship club, they're sort of taking a gamble on um, whether it will come off or not. Mm. He's, as Ross says, he's never played above. He's had half a season at League Two level. He's looked... I can't make a, an honest assessment. Well, I can't make a full assessment from what I've seen of him. I've seen him off the bench, what, four times in mm. League One for Ipswich. A couple of cup games in there as well. In those games, he's looked quite raw. You can see he's got attributes, certainly physical attributes, that could that could take him higher in the game. Swindon fans and pundits will tell you that he came on leaps and bounds during that six months, but Ipswich are, are top of League One at the moment. They've, um, they're scoring goals. They've started well. As I say, the, the game has changed at Ipswich Town, so um, I, I can kind of see why this one has, has ended the way it has. Yeah, hopefully draw a line on it, it will happen and we can move on. Uh, 500k, certainly good business. So you said their town are going to move on to, to what they're doing, uh, with being just over a week away now from that transfer deadline day, slamming shut, the window closing, all that sort of stuff. Is there any further updates you can bring us? Or are we still... Moving as as before, haven't got anything sort of concrete to give you at the moment. Um, the George Hurst situation has rumbled on all summer. He's he's hmm. clearly been a prime target. That all kind of got pushed down the track a little bit because he picked up a bit of a, a niggle in pre-season, which meant he couldn't go away on their tour, which delayed Leicester's decision making. We can only go. I can only go on the reports from the Portsmouth end at the moment that say that. You know, he looks set to sign a new contract there and, and they'd want to loan him to a championship club. I think Ipswich will keep trying until the very until they're told it's impossible. They'll they'll keep looking at that one. So that's still not impossible. Um if it's not Hurst, I'm pretty sure Ipswich will sign a another striker, who who that is. Um we shall see. McCauley Bomb we've we've talked about a fair bit, but there there'll be other players um that Ipswich are looking at and um not just in the striker position as well. And it's hard to nail down to this to positions as well, because McKenna's talked a lot about the versatility of, of players in his squad. You know, how do we label Tyrese John Jules, for example, at the moment, who we'll talk about in a minute, I'm sure. Um, is he an attacking midfielder? Is he an out-and-out -out striker? And you can say, well, what's Marcus Harness? Is he a winger? Is he an inside forward? So I'm sure McKenna is looking probably at adding some more versatile uh, front player slash to to the squad. I think if it's 
if it's more than one player in over the next few days, I think you need to be looking at, at getting some players out um, as well because that squad could get, as much as we're talking about, you know, squad depth and being able to use your subs and rotation has been important for it. So it's certainly over the, the last week, you can get into dangerous territory where the squad gets too big and too bloated and you've, you've got some tough man management decisions to make. So um, I guess there's some obvious candidates for people to depart. Someone like Matt Penny, hmm. um, obviously El Mazzuni's gone out on loan. Does Cameron Humphreys go out on loan as well? So, yeah, I, I still think there's a, a little bit of life left in this this transfer window for Ipswich Town. And just while we're on the subject, you reminded me there, Stu, in terms of exits. I think before, since we last spoke, Corian Darber has departed. So we should mention that before we move on to the Shrewsbury game. As expected, has gone out on loan to League One club Burton Albion, struggling Burton Albion uh, with the boss already talking about leaving. Um, what do we make of that one for, for Corey? Obviously, he's had a successful loan spell in League Two. Now he's in the same division that Town are in. For mm. me, I always think that's a bit of an odd thing to do, to, to say, right, you're obviously good enough to play, but you're not going to play for us. We'll send you out someone else in the same division. Um, I'm never a big fan of that, and I can see why, maybe. But thoughts on that for Corey? I think the fact that he's got the contract signed before mm. you send that player out on loan helps because it's all very well saying we see you as someone as part of our future plans. I think having that contract signed adds a little bit more weight to that. So he can go away probably feeling like it's not a you know, one foot out the door situation mm. already. Having done so well at Salford last year, the natural progression is then to go and play the level up. Now, I know people will go at it and go, well, stylistically, is that right for him? He's a ball-playing centre-half. He'd done you know, really well in an attack-minded Salford team, got forward from left-back. But when McKenna was talking about whether he was ready right now, he talked about he hasn't, he hasn't had a lot of football at centre-half yet. And maybe a bit like when Wolfenden went out on loan, this is to kind of add some different strings to his bow in terms of we've seen what Burton are like firsthand fairly recently, direct, chaotic, aggressive. Maybe this is just to kind of just add a little layer of resilience to Corey and Darba, toughen him up a little bit and um, just make him a, a better all-round defender ultimately. And then they'll they'll properly assess him next year. But clearly there was too too much traffic in his way for, to play for Ipswich Town. So if he's not going to play this year, then I'd rather replay games elsewhere. So yeah, we'll, we'll assess him again. Um, in another 12 months' time, I guess. Mm. What do you reckon, Rossi, to, to loading out Corey to a, a side, a struggling side in League One? Obviously, didn't work for, for King the Dream last season. Uh, what do you reckon? Uh, I like it, to be to be, to be honest. Um, you know, Burton, I know they're, they're struggling at the moment. Um, mm. They've got a good manager in Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. I know there was talk of him probably wanting to go to Barnsley, but of course that didn't happen. Um but I think he needs to be playing League One football, and he's for us. He's not. He's not. He's going to maybe play cup games, come off the bench maybe for the final ten minutes of winning the game, and that's not really good for him. Um, I'm looking at other League One clubs that he could have gone to. You know, I'm trying to think. You know, Cheltenham Town maybe. Um, that, that's the level I think we want to send them out because you, you won't want to send them to an MK Dons or stuff like that because they are technically our promotion rivals. I know we we um mm. we thrashed them three 0 at Portland Road. I think this would be a good loan spell for him. And as Stu said, you know, he'll add a bit more physicality to his game. I know he's a ball-playing centre-half, but maybe he's, he said he's the strongest in League One. Let's see if he can prove it playing for a very 
you know, relegation battling Burton side. Um, get a few goals from corners as well. It'd be good to see for Corey. But I think this overall, I think this is going to be a good move for him and um, hopefully a full season playing a lot of minutes and hopefully can help Burton stay up as well. Yeah, we will see. Time will tell on that one. Right then, boys, we've done 20 minutes and we've actually talked about the win from the weekend, which is probably a good sign. Things are happening at town. But Ipswich Town on Saturday, we had the taming of the shrews, boys. We've never used that before. Uh, without even checking, I'm fairly sure that Mike Bacon, who was on yesterday, would have used that somewhere in the paper today. A classic uh, print headline, that. 3-0 at Shrewsbury. Stuart Watson, you were there. You drove yourself there. You drove yourself back. A man of your lofty heights in this game should not be doing that. That's exactly what happened. Um, what did you make of it? Give us your Give us your thoughts. I did, yeah. I flew solo at the weekend. Um, Andy Warren went went off to Wales after the game with his with his family. How dare he? Ridiculous. Then we realised that Ross was struggling to get to, to my house in the middle of the Suffolk countryside because the trains weren't working because of the train strike. So he jumped in with some fans. I was going to go with uh, with Barry Kent, the, the driver of the Scarlet Lady, who had a spot free in his car. He was on COCOM's duty and I think he got a bit of love from, from the listeners, um, which was, which was nice to hear, but they were, they were, they were taking a diversion on the way home to go watch some greyhound racing, which I wasn't, I wasn't too keen on. I had, I had a bit of work to do. So um, yeah, it was just, just me on my own driving, driving to Shropshire and back, just had Celine Dion all by myself on, on repeat, <laughs> pulled over, just shed a few tears from time to time. Um, but it was all worth it because Ipswich Town, uh, I have not remembered Ipswich Town winning an away game that comfortably for quite some time. It was concentrated, clinical, comfortable. They were in absolute cruise control towards the end and the, the third goal didn't flatter them um, whatsoever. It was a, a very strange feeling watching it, you know, not feeling any kind of sense of jeopardy watching Ipswich Town in, in a game like that, I have to say. Right, let's do talking points then from the game, because clearly there are a few. Five changes, um, probably the most notable in terms of what happened in the game. We've talked about town needing another striker. Tyrese John Jules, the big cat, courtesy Andy Warren. Definitely not my nickname, just want to stress that. It's not a nickname I've given him. The big cat is Hutchies, and hopefully the curse won't apply. And it certainly didn't on Saturday, Roscoe, because uh, he scored a cracker on his debut. Um, we've seen him play behind the striker. Now we've seen him play as a striker. What do you make of it? Oh, what a day. What a day in Shrewsbury, Shropshire, all <laughs> that sort of stuff. Um, we had all weathers, by the way. It was sunny when I, when I arrived. Then it started to rain a little bit. Then the sun came back out. Then it rained a bit again. Um, and we had raining goals because, yeah, John Tyrese, John Jules, what a finish, a very good solo goal. Um, and we, we haven't seen that for a while as a town team. We haven't seen players who just sort of pick up the ball, take mm. on a player, take on our player, slots at home, happy days, 1-0. Um, and that was the start of a very good performance. And as Stu said, you know, we haven't seen a comfortable away win for a very long time. I don't know the last time we probably spoke on this podcast saying, yeah, we're one up, comfortable, got the second, got the third, three points, clean sheet, top of the league, four wins in a row. Um, of course, not getting too carried away, are we boys? You know, five games in, but we've got to be positive. We've got to be happy because we've got a team that is just enjoyable to watch. I mean, in terms of not getting carried away, she was obviously already said they're going to make the top six, guaranteed it. So you can make your own your own views on that. But Stu, 
John Jules, as I say, we, we is talked that about get, getting is that getting carried away, Mark? Because the <laughs> top six like... should be bare minimum for it. Absolutely, to absolutely, it bare should minimum. Be. So I, I don't be. think that's I don't think that's getting carried away. Okay, well the view, the viewers slash listeners can make their own opinions on that. But Stu, talk to me about Tyrese John Jules. We, we've said that Town need another striker. We've seen Freddie Ladapo put in shifts um, in the early games of the season without scoring. Now we've seen Tyrese come in and score as a striker. What, what did you make of him and how does he compare in terms of what you've seen from Ladapo and what you saw from him on, on Saturday in that role? Yeah, five changes from McKenna, which I think was was surprising. Um, thought there would be alterations and that he would freshen things up. Not necessarily five. I think most of us could see that Davis and Chaplin would, would come back into the team, having been so good against MK Doms. There was always a chance that Caden Jackson would, would have a rest, having completed his first 90 minutes in, in quite some time at Burton. The two changes for me that were, were more surprising was uh, John Jules for Ladipo up front mm. and Burgess for Edmondson um, at the back, especially after they've just kept two clean sheets. So that shows that McKenna's ready to make some some bold decisions, some big decisions um, this season with his team selection. And his explanation for playing John Jules was that it's the whole kind of horses for courses, study the opposition, what we think, what stylistically we think is going to do the most damage. And he felt that Shrewsbury's experience back three, the best way to kind of get at them, very organised team, a team that had kept a clean sheet against um, Derby in, in midweek, was to have a striker that was almost that sort of false number nine that we're seeing a lot at the top end of the Premier League, now very in vogue, with Tyrese John Jules dropping deep and almost joining um, Chaplin and Harness in, in playing sort of between the lines and, and Shrewsbury wouldn't know how to pick him up and what and what to do with him and, and so proved the case, especially with, with the opener, the way he kind of um, ran back, dispossessed the player himself on, on the blind side and then, and then turned and ran into that space, vacated and um, took it really well. It was one of those goals that when it went in, you went, wow, what a goal. And then I watched it back and went, hmm, Defending's a bit iffy there, isn't it? I mean, Jay yeah. Dunkley overcommits himself horrendously. He sort of like just flings himself, anticipating the left-footed shot, and um, John Jules just kind of rolls rolls inside and, and strokes the ball in. I mean, that there was a non-challenge from Shipley on him as well in in the build-up, but um, yeah, it was it was a very good goal. A goal I think I described as being sort of born out of graft and and guile. And um, once that first goal went in. You could. It just felt very early on in this game that there was a there was a golfing a golfing class in, in this game, and and it proved proved to be the case. Mm. In terms of that that conversation around where you play, John Jules, I know McKenna's made a big thing about um, players being adaptable and being able to play multiple positions and being like water. You know the old Bruce Lee quote, fitting any kind of scenario. But having seen him play the striker role for the first time, Stu, is that is that somewhere you'd like to see him play more? We've talked before about what is he? Is he someone who plays behind a striker? Is he someone who can play as a striker? What do you make of that, having seen him play? I've liked him in pre-season and off the bench playing as, as a number 10. He looked like, and I, and I liked him up front at the weekend. I think mm. McKenna will say that he's been, he'll tell you he's a number nine. Um just as Connor Chaplin will tell you, he's, he's still a number nine. Um, once these players have played as strikers, that's that's what they see themselves as. But I think he's, he's equally capable of playing both. And it will be, like I've said before, there'll be different opponents where that, that skill set is 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 more suited to, to playing in different areas of the pitch. But um, 
he's got he's not you wouldn't describe him as a target man but he's he's big enough he's he's quite strong he looks like someone who can back into center halves and and occupy people as a nine but i think where he does his most damage is definitely kind of between the lines dropping into those spaces um his the thing i like about him the most is his well, two things really is his his movement and his awareness, I think he's quite clever with with his movement, and his first touch is great. Um, especially if you get you know balls in around his throat, chest area, he looks like someone. There was a lovely touch uh, that almost he think took on his shoulder in the first half and sort of played it around the corner. He's got good awareness of he can see the picture of what's around him. He knows where that where the ball's going before it comes to him. So he's a lively player and. Um, I think Ipswich have done really well to get him. I had him down as the potential surprise package based on the glimpses that we'd seen on him in pre-season. Sam Morsi has been waxing lyrical about him. McKenna, someone who's very prone to not getting carried away. You could hear the excitement in his voice when he speaks about John Jules leading up to the season. So, um, yeah, hope, hopefully they can keep him fit. They've, they've eased him in very carefully because he finished last season injured. But exciting player and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of him. So I'd say that was consummate, Stu. Expertly dropped in the fact you picked him a surprise package. Just, just drop that in seamlessly into the conversation, so we all we all fully in the knowledge of uh, of, of your tip pre-season. Unlike, for example, me, who said Cameron Humphreys. Uh, <laughs> Mark, what you did say, and I think you're you're pretty strong on this one now, is that Ipswich will not be in the bottom half all season. After I can't remember what game you put on it, but game four, I think I said. I think I think you're. Uh, that's a safe bet there. That one. Stewie, superb work from yourself, don't mind me saying. I'm just pointing that out as well. Rossi, talk to me more about the game. What did, else did you like? We have to talk about Leif Davis. Sounds like he had a good game. KVY came in, played mm-hmm. the uh, the Wes Burns role. What else did you like about this game? Talk to me. Ah, uh, well, as I said before, last time we played Shrewsbury, we were one and up, one nil up, plan okay. Karen Burgess got sent off, and then they scored a was that a, I don't know, 85th minute, something like that. Um, absolute great strike from was it Wally? Was it something Wally? Um, of course, now it doesn't sure, play yeah. but Shrewsbury. Um, and then we go here, we go again. And we saw that a lot, sadly, at the end of last season, you know, throwing away you know leads when we're being a better side. And that's what I like today. We were it was comfortable, um, on Saturday, not not today, we're not playing today. Um, but it was comfortable. You know, we got the second goal after you know, four corner Shrews going to get him back into this game, but Shrews didn't. They didn't do anything. I don't think Walton had much to do really during the game. Um, yeah, two nil. Another another good goal. Connor Chaplin, Leaf Davis. What a ball from Leaf um, D- Davis into Connor Chaplin. Great finish. Another knee slide for one of our players. We had Marcus Harness on Tuesday. Now we've got Connor Chaplin doing a knee slide. And then Caden Jackson come off the bench, and it proves once again depth in this league is what you need. And Caden Jackson, for what what went through, he went through. You know, under Paul Cook, then come back. Scoring goals on the McKenna, getting that injury that ended his season, and then to get a goal to make it three 0 to make that away end happy, to leave that ground happy, um, it's a good way to end the game. Um, but now four wins in a row. I don't know when the last time that has happened. I, I, I can't remember. Has anybody got that stat on hand? I believe it was at the start of the the first season following relegation, um, okay. and it, that the fourth one was the win up at Fleetwood when you had all the players quite awkwardly um, doing that hand-holding team celebration in, in front of the away end that M- Mr Lambert and Mr Taylor had kind of cooked up. I'm not sure that they were particularly comfortable, 
doing that <laughs> that early in in the season, and obviously that led to a bit of the mind games from Jerry Barton, didn't it? About you know, uh, there's a long way to go. I don't know if their performances of you know whether there's enough substance behind what they've done so far for all of that. Um, and and he proved right, of course, Mr. Barton. But um, it do, it does feel we we keep saying it. It feels different this time. It does feel like there's a bit more substance and some firmer foundations underneath all of this some further stats to you that i gleaned from your excellent post-match reaction video which was back this weekend clear with the return of roscoe um kira mckenna has now overseen is it more clean sheets what was the stat more clean sheets than goals or something i can't remember anyway <laughs> i should probably i don't think, probably, I don't think probably, that was from my piece <laughs> i should probably have noted that down and the other thing was um 11 points better in terms of comparable games already this season than last season so good signs um <laughs> i should really have checked that stat friends i will i will update that um as we go as we move on uh so we've got a talk as well we mentioned kvy the lad was essentially assaulted early in the game um gbh on the pitch and it, and it, it got away with it what's going on because the, the pitcher uh who was the defender flanagan Flanagan, he's got both his legs round him, flying fairly high up the leg. Um, clearly wipes out KVY. He, uh, he may have got a bit of the ball, but that's a penalty all day long, isn't it? I love a slide tackle. I love a last ditch um, challenge like that, get you out of jail tackle. Uh, uh, but there's no way that that wasn't a penalty. The ball just wasn't there to be won. Um, Kane's touch back inside had put himself between defender and ball. I, I just there was no way Flanagan could win it from from the from the angle that he lunged in from. And as you say, the still image kind of shows both feet off the ground. Uh, he may have got a slither on the ball. The, the Shrewsbury commentary team behind us were you know, instantly talking about a fantastic tackle. There's still some Shrewsbury fans that are doubling down and saying, "Oh, he got the ball," but. Whether he did or didn't, he's come straight through the back of the man. And my instinct at the time, I think most of the people around me thought Stonewall penalty, but um, it wasn't given. And um, thankfully, it's not a, a huge talking point as we sit here now um, because Ipswich went on to do um, what they did. I think the stat that I'm trying to remember is that Kieran McKenna has now overseen more clean sheets than Ipswich Town have conceded goals in his tenure, which is uh, remarkable, if indeed that is correct. And I'm fairly sure it is. So, uh, it's fantastic stuff. Anything else to mention from, from the game, Stewie? Um, I thought the the left side, again, is worth mentioning. You know, we talked a lot about that the imbalance of the Ipswich team last year and the over-reliance on the Danassi and Burns combination down the right. Uh, Leif Davis, I thought, took another big step in the right direction. He was probably my pick of the players. Overall, um, Ross mentioned his assist for, for the Chaplin goal. Lovely little um, chop back inside and pick, picked out Chaplin edge of the box. Um, had a hand in the third goal as well. Very similar square pass to Morsi, um, which resulted in the, the shot that um, that rebounded away for Jackson to, to gobble up. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Leif, Leif Davis, game by game, we're starting to see now why Ipswich um, paid the money they did for him. So that's encouraging. Rossi, anything else to mention from your, your trip to, uh, is it the Montgomery Waters Meadows? 
at Shrewsbury. Um, good to see, I will say, I'll shout out the sweet Welsh Prince Harvey Davis on game day. Good to see him looking very slim and trim. Good work, HD. Um, anything else to mention from your experience, the game, the whole day, Roscoe? Talk to me. Yeah, that was good to see good old sweet old Prince Harvey Davis. And his dad, is, that was his dad's birthday. I won't say how old he was. Um, I, I said to him, you know, you're looking good for 30. Um, <laughs> but no, Cameron Burgess. Shout out to him. He's coming in for George Emerson, of course. And um, Cameron Burgess was um, rocking the headband. Um, he, he had to he had some blood down, looking like a warrior. Um, but yeah, that was an interesting sort of change because George Emerson, you know, he's a bit, you know, a player that a lot of fans like. But Burgess comes in, of course, returning against a team he got sent off against last season. So a lot of people are going, oh, no, here we go. But fair play to Cameron Burgess. Had a good game. And I said, I thought, I thought you, Heathy, when he had the, the headband up. You know, you know, rocking it really well, Cameron Burgess. Why do you think of me? I've never worn a headband. I don't know. You're, 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 you're you know, you like hard nuts, don't you? And you know, people who are like, you know, hard and red, and you know, got blood <laughs> pouring down them. You know, a fighter. I do. I do like people who are hard and red. Um, Stewie, other other notes from the game. Uh, did you say that Barry Kent was on Cocom's duty? Arrow he was. Barry. He was. Yeah, he was. With um, Brent. With Brenner, yeah, oh, yeah, it's know. not the first time he's done it. He's 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 stepped in at the last minute. I don't know who um, who originally they had lined up, or if indeed they did. But um, yeah, I I haven't I haven't obviously heard it because I was too far away. But I hope people like Barry because I think he's very knowledgeable. Um, mm. Other notes from the game: uh, a tiny, small asterisk slash caveat of the fact that Shrewsbury, I think, looked a tired team at the end of a hard week for them. They'd beaten Wickham 2-1 away on the Saturday. They'd drawn 0-0 at home against Derby in midweek, having had very little of the ball, so they would have done a lot of running in that. Um, They're very short on numbers at the moment. I think Cotterwell had only named six subs against Derby. He didn't use any of them. He named an unchanged team for this and we took mentioned it, which made five changes in their most dynamic positions, could change both the wing backs, change some of the forward players. And I think that showed um a little bit. So I think Shrewsbury are better than than they showed at the weekend, which maybe went there at a good time and they took advantage. So there is that slight caveat there, but I don't want to take anything away from Ipswich at all. You could say the same about running into MK Dons at a good time. They're a team that's massively in transition off the back end of the summer. I think they'll be better when Ipswich face them next time around. I think Shrewsbury could, could be better the, the next time they face them around. And um, we'll probably talk about Barnsley later in the week, but Barnsley now play Wednesday night against Leeds in, in the Cup. So again, Ipswich maybe will go into Barnsley at a, a good time at the weekend. So maybe it all adds to this feeling of things are kind of meant to be, things are just kind of falling in, in place for Ipswich in these early weeks of the season. It is at Portman Road on Saturday, Stu, so don't go to Barnsley, please. Sorry. <laughs> we need you in Suffolk, not, not in Yorkshire. Um, friends, let's draw a line under under Shrewsbury then. Another good win. Ipswich Town atop of the league after five games. Tremendous. But friends, let's take the next 10 minutes to discuss what we've learned, shall we, about Ipswich Town after these first five games. Um my dog is snoring. I'm about to go on mute. I do apologise. That is not a hurricane. Um, Stewie, kick us off. After five games, what, what can you give us that we've learned about Ipswich Town? 
Uh, I will kick us off with they look a more resilient side. If you remember, Kieran McKenna talked about putting together the... Uh, what are you two giggling about on mute in the background? Nothing, nothing. You took one of my... But so I've just got to cross off my list, but carry on. Steve. Okay, right. Okay, well, I've claimed it. More resilient. McKenna talked about putting together a pre-season programme specifically to build up some resilience in this team. Ross mentioned it earlier about maybe letting some some points slip where they shouldn't have done last season. McKenna put together a programme of a tough pre-season fixture programme against a lot of Premier League clubs, Arsenal, Bristol Palace, West Ham, um, to sort of test them a little bit and uh, see how resilient they are. And they've, they've shown that in the early few weeks of the season. 1-0 down to Bolton on the opening day to a, to a soft penalty. Showed some resilience to, to come back, level that and almost win it at the end. Uh, Forest Green Rovers pegged back to 2-1, the sort of game that they would probably let, let slip last season. Didn't, got back control of the game, saw it out quite nicely. Burton sort of game that they under that sort of physical pressure, the sort of game that they would have probably crumbled under last season, dug out a 1-0 win. And then, um, yeah, again, no, the weekend isn't an example of that because it was so comfortable. But, um, yeah, uh, more resilience in this Ipswich Town team. I think we've learned that from the first few games so far. Okay, resilience then, Roscoe, that's one of yours. Give us something else that we've learned about Ipswich Town and try and steal one of Stu's next ones. I don't think I'm going to, um, but I'll try my best. Um, we've sort of already said it in this podcast already, and uh, it's, it's a bit of a cheat one for me to use this because it is just the left-hand side. Um, as we said, we've, you know, been, we've been reliant last year on the right-hand side with Genoi and Wes, but this time around, um, Leif Davis on the left, we've finally got someone who can play left-back and do it well, go forward well, defend well, get assists. And that is what I like to see. We've got a bit of a balance now. Even with KVY coming in at right wing back uh, for Wes Burns um, on Saturday, I think we've got now got a balance on both sides. Um, of course, if Leif Davis does get injured, sorry, everybody, I've just jinxed him. Um, I'm hoping there is someone to then jump into left wing back row. I'm trying to think who could play there. Carl Edwards, maybe? Um, Greg Lee would be your next Greg man, Lee, wouldn't yes. he? Oh, boy! I forgot about Greg. I'm sorry, Greg. I'm <laughs> We've so torn sorry. down the statue already. Oh, dear me. Sorry, Greg. Yeah, Greg could go in. That's how we go. We've got a balanced both wings because, yeah, we've got players that come in for them. Sorry, Greg. Oh, no. I can't believe you forgot Greg Lee. Oh, no. There's an option on that left-hand side, the man that you've been tipping all pre-season. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Ross, I, I don't think we've actually spoken to you. We're talking about forgetting things um, since you forgot to go to your theory <laughs> test. Yeah. That was that was my bad. I, I got my dates mixed up and I realised too late. So I was like, I was just double checking when I've got my next one. I was like, oh bugger, I've missed it by a couple of days. So um, yeah, I've made sure now I've got alarms and it's on my calendar. It appears when it you know it's on my calendar. So yeah, all good. You missed it by two days. You didn't realise for two days. You <laughs> yeah, you, you forgot. Yeah. Wow, that's that is tremendous. Anyway, uh, any update on the driving while we're on it? Have you got another one scheduled I'm in? Book, I'm booking another one um, today when we finish the pod just to see what dates are available. So hopefully there's one this could week, you, if not. Could you share the date once you have done so we can all <laughs> remind you, as yes. the KOA Army, that you have a theory test to attend that day. Yeah. That's the only way it's going to be done, I reckon. Right, then, so we've got uh, more resilient. We've got a much better left-hand side. Give us another thing that we, we've learned about town so far. 
I've given you more resilient. I'll give you more clinical as well because Ipswich, um, after McKenna came in, we saw the possession football. We saw the way Ipswich were able to control games of football, but they weren't able to put teams to the sword and it came back to bite them. We mentioned the, the Shrewsbury Ray game was, was one of several examples of, of that happening. They've done that in a couple of games already so far. MK Dons, goals two, goals three. Likewise against Shrewsbury at the weekend. They look like a team that are motivated by the past. McKenna's talked about the players referencing a lot of the reverse fixtures from last season. Um, the talk at half-time at the weekend apparently was, remember what happened here last season. We've got to keep our foot on the pedal and, and make sure we kill this game off. And uh, that's what they did. So more, more resilient and more clinical as well, which is a, a powerful combo. It is indeed. More resilient, more clinical. Better left-hand side, Rossi. What else have we learned? Uh, like we've always had squad depth. We've always had a big team, you know, under Paul Lambert. You know, if you look at the programmes, you have the teams at the back. You see we've got like 30 players on our team and the other teams have got maybe just 20 players. Um, but I feel like we've got a good squad depth now of quality players. I don't feel there's anybody on the bench where I'm like, they're not going to play because they're not that good enough. But I think that's... and. You saw on Saturday the five changes we made was good thinking from Kieran McKenna. You know, we used to have that rotation policy under Paul Lambert, thinking, oh, God, here we go again, changing the goalie, changing that player, changing that player. But there's a lot of thinking now that I feel go into Kieran McKenna with these changes. You know, Karen Berger's coming in, Torres John Jewell starting up front. Um, and that's what I like to see. And that's what I think a lot of fans are now enjoying. You know, there's a lot of thinking behind these substitutes. As Stu said earlier in the chat, um, we looked at, you know, Shrewsbury's previous games and he thought this is the perfect game for John George to come in. Um, and he just, yeah, we've got that squad depth now. Different players coming in. As I said, we've got Greg Lee. Greg Lee, who can come in for Leif Davis if Leif Davis needs a little bit of a rest. Um, and that's what I like to see. Just that squad depth. Getting used well. Okay. The, um, sorry to, to butt in. You're right about that looking like there's a lot more thinking that goes into this rotation. It was hard to kind of get your head around. It was rotation for the sake of rotation under Paul Lambert, or certainly he wasn't able to kind of articulate or explain why, other than saying, well, 60 potential for 60 games, they could die if we played them every week, you know, and that was about as much of an explanation that you got. Whereas Kieran McKenna now will give you a fulsome explanation as to we played John Jules because I thought he was suited to play this type of opposition and this is, and this is why. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's interesting to see how this that's going to kind of pan out and the, and the five subs thing as well also means that 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 depth is is vitally important as well. Have we got any more to throw into the mix since you? We've got thoughtful rotation, more resilient, more clinical, better left hand side. What else have you got, if anything, to throw into the? things we've learned after five games mix? I guess ultimately to round off the more resilient, more clinical would be more more consistent, which which is goes without saying. If you've improved all those things that we've talked about, then it means you're going to be more consistent with your performances and your results. And that's why Ipswich have been able to finally win three, four games in a row, something that they didn't manage to do all last season, why they've been able to improve on the fixture by fixture comparisons of last season um so yeah uh, more more consistent which is what you need to ultimately be um top of the pile do i think they're going to suddenly go the whole season unbeaten do i think it's going to be all 
sunshine and rainbows the whole way through? No, I don't. But they look like a team that will be able to ride good momentum for longer and will be able to kind of, you know, that Burton game could easily have been one that disrupted a bit of momentum, but they'll be able to find ways to win when they're not bang at it this season. And um, that ultimately is what underpins successful sides, which is what we all hope they'll be this season. Rossi, have you got any more to throw into the mix? Any more any more learnings? I think it's just um it is like clinic being clinical, but it's you know, got it was, it's been seven different goal scorers already this season, which is good to see. We're not just relying on one man, you know, that twenty goal you know, of um forward scoring the goals, you know, with Connor Chaplin, Marcus Harness. Couldn't continue his goal scoring run, but I'm sure he'll score more this season. You know, Sam Morsey, Lee Evans, um Kane Jackson is off the mark. Uh, who else has scored? One more player Wes in there. Wes Burns, Torres, John Jules. So, yeah, seven different goal scorers already in the opening five games, which is good to see. And hopefully that everyone will just spread the load this year of scoring. Um, sorry, that's a bit, that's a bit uh, maybe not the right word, but yeah, they'll spread the goals. Share the share the goals around, Rossi, is what you were trying yeah. to say, I think. <laughs> yeah. Right then, friends. So that's obviously all very positive and, and there's obviously plenty of reasons to be positive because it's just down the top of the league and looking great early in the season, which is exactly what we wanted. Um, but are, are there anything, is there anything that you, you see having watched these five games and think, hmm, that might, that might at some point become an issue. I always remember when we did the, the SWOT analysis was with town sitting pretty at top, top of league one uh, in the first season under Lambert. Um, and they were still unbeaten in October, weren't they? And we, we sat in that little studio at uh, it's community radio and feeling all very smug and pleased with ourselves. And we did a, a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats, analysis of the start i always remember you rossi saying they're not scoring enough goals not they're not creating enough chances and i remember thinking pipe down rossi top of the league unbeaten all that kind of stuff and sure enough it did the wheels did come off and a large part of that was because they weren't scoring goals and creating chances and they were really dull to watch um stewie roscoe i'm gonna start with you stewie is there anything without meaning to be deliberately negative but i don't want it to be relentlessly positive either is there anything you've seen that you think mm, that could be an issue maybe going forward it's been a bit of sloppiness at times. I think when you know there's a clear confidence and belief in this team, but and the way they want to dominate the ball, maybe that's just something that that happens. But we talked about Wolfenden maybe little, being a little bit slack at times. I thought in the first half at the weekend, um, throughout the whole team, they were a little bit slack at times. And the only way I could see them not winning that game from very early on was through shooting themselves in the foot. It would be through their own. You know, be through their own deficiencies rather than anything the opposition did. Um, so that that is a very small concern there at the moment. That just maintaining that kind of focus and concentration at all times. Um, but it's, it's, that's a very small small gripe amongst the sea of of positivity at the moment. Have you got any small gripes among your sea of positivity, Roscoe? Anything to mention other than perhaps a bit of lackadaisical play? Not really, which is a surprise for me. Sometimes I could be the, a negative Nancy and go, yeah, not good enough, all that sort of stuff. But everything I'm seeing at the moment, I'm pretty happy about. And I said, I, I went with my heart this year. I went second place. Um, so, but it's not, this is going to be a bit negative. This is, It's not going to last forever, is it? We are going to lose a game. We are going to have a bad performance. Um, and I have a feeling the game, like Aquiton is the, the earmarked game in it. It's like Aquiton, we always go there and we always lose. They bully us. And they get the win, um, and sadly that is going to happen at some point. But I think hopefully we'll continue. We'll you know we'll we'll lose and then move on, 
and you know go on another winning run. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be, it's a long old season, League One. You know, five games in so far. Um, but I think everything Kieran McKenna is doing at the moment is just great. And you know, the team behind him, the players we've got, it's got to be this year, isn't it, boys? It's got to be this year. If it's not, then we're just cursed. We're just cursed. This football club is cursed. <sighs> Superb. I, I guess that is the big answer question, though, isn't it? How they handle the first setback, the first defeat, which is inevitable, you would think. As good as they're going to be this season, they will lose games at times. Um, and the first time they are beaten, how they bounce back from that, because that's obviously been an issue in, back in the day with town, hasn't it? Kind of crumbling under pressure and um, when when the pressure is really on and, and things aren't going their way, they've, they've fallen apart a bit. So let's see what, what happens when that does eventually come to pass. Hopefully not for a few months yet. Um, friends, let's move on then. To our, our usual Monday roundup of League One stuff, Stewie, clearly you were at Shrewsbury and Roscoe, but I know you keep an eye on results. There's been some some strange results already in League One this season, some eye-opening results. Um, did anything catch your eye from the weekend? You see Peter Bratchley tonked Lincoln. Johnson Clark Harris has already got five goals this season as he strides towards the golden boot. Um, Barnsley got beat 3-0 at home by Wickham, which was uh, maybe a bit of a surprise. Bolton lost at home to Sheffield Wednesday 2-0. Um, Exeter Exeter lost at home to Cheltenham, having beaten them 7-0 in the Cup. They lost 1-0 at home in the league. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and if you look at the table as well, boys, early early doors, top four, Ipswich, Peterborough, Portsmouth and Sheffield Wednesday has a kind of expected ring about it, doesn't it? Um, Stuart, anything that caught your eye over the weekend other than town? No, I know Finn Azaz has been scoring quite a few goals for Plymouth. He was one we talked about quite a lot in the summer. He'd impressed against Ipswich for, for Newport last season. He's now gone to Plymouth on, on loan from Aston Villa. Seems to be doing quite well. Piggott scored, I think, from the penalty spot for Portsmouth. They're doing, they've started quite, quite nicely. So I always felt for a lot of the talk about big team like Derby and Barnsley and people dropping down that I think we've learned now that um, some stability and consistency is it counts for a lot in this league. And Ipswich have got it. Sheffield Wednesday finished last season strongly and have been able to carry a little bit of momentum. Portsmouth and, and Plymouth probably in that same category. So I think, um, yeah, that 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 means a lot at this at this level. If the the, le- the less disruption you've got, the the better. I think that that counts for a hell of a lot. Ellis Harrison also scored his, his first goal for Port Vale at the weekend. Anything else caught your eye, Rossi? Um, a player for Wickham, Dominic Gay, but can't say his last name. He scored a 50-yard wonder goal. I don't know if you've seen it. If you haven't I seen have. it, see it. It's unbelievable. Um, he loves yeah. the keeper, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe goalkeeping, not too, not so great. But, uh, I'm not sure what the keeper is doing. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. else are we pronouncing Gape? G-A-P-E. What other possible pronunciations are there there? Gappy. Yeah, Gappe. Yeah, we could put a little little thing over the E, maybe. Mm. Yeah, it was a good good goal anyway. Yeah, it was a good goal. Right then, also to mention from the weekend, Stu, I was in Sheffield on on Saturday night watching Kevin Bridges. Um, An excellent show it was. And I mention it because he did a joke around knockdown ginger there you go <laughs> <laughs> um which is the Vindicated. first time first time i've heard anyone mention it or indeed use that that term since you've used it i thought you were posh 
um, in your childhood. He's not band posh. He's definitely not posh, as he made frequent references to in the show. Uh, but he used to play Knockdown Ginger. Uh, it was excellent, excellent little bit about how um, back in the day doing that was great fun because people got really annoyed by it. And now it's actually the reverse. People are annoyed now by having to answer the door. They want to, they're relieved when it's just someone running down the road. They don't have to have a human interaction. They're quite, they're quite happy about it these days. Um, so yeah, not the defense, the defense rests. Yeah. Vindication. Thy name is Kevin Bridges. Um, friends, we're coming up to hour now. Anything else to mention? Rossi, Stewie, any other bits of business that you want to, um, bring to the court's attention? Can I ask you a boxing question? You can. Is where does AJ go from here? He's got he's got loads of options, mate. I mean, obviously there is talk about him retiring, but there are loads of big money fights out there for him. Deontay Wilder is an obvious one. Dillian White, he could fight again. Obviously, just Dillian just lost to Tyson Fury. Um, even someone like Derek Chisora. But the problem is, he's going to be a long way away from world title fights for the time being, because now Fury is obviously unretired for the five hundredth time, and he will, you'd imagine, end up fighting Usyk. Um, for all the, all the marbles, so I don't know. Even someone like Joe Joyce, who is who's coming through, AJ could fight. Um, but I would think that the big money fight for him, if he does want to continue, would be would be Deontay Wilder, because um, that's a, a fight that's dead easy to make. Just loads of highlights of them knocking people out, um, and both obviously vulnerable and have lost. So it's a fight I'd like to see. That would be my my assessment of that. Um, Rossi, any other any other business? Um, we'll be there. Will be a, a track to girls talk coming tomorrow, and uh, yeah, the women's team didn't have a good start to the season. Three uh, 0 defeat at the Adriel Arena in Felixstowe against Portsmouth. Yeah, we'll discuss that more in depth on the track to girls talk podcast with good old Blue Wilson, the captain and my co-host. But yeah, not a good start. Normally, we rely on the women's team to have a good, you know, to end the weekend on a positive note. Normally, the men they lose, and the women's team they end with a good win. It's the other way around so far this season, but um, first game in, not a good start. What happened, Rossi? Because I saw that result. I mean, I almost take it for granted now that Ipswich Town women mm. win pretty much every game. Um, what happened? Because losing 3-0 at home on the first day of the season is pretty catastrophic. Uh, well, once, once again, it's, it's a whole podcast worth of chat because there's a lot of things that went wrong. Um, Portsmouth are a you know, good side. They are a good side. We didn't beat them last year in two games against them. We didn't beat them. Um, their physical side, they score some good goals. Um, we had some injuries early in the game. We had two substitutions in the first half because of injuries. Um, so that changes a lot of game plans and sides. But yeah, unfortunately, we just weren't at it. And um, a lot of work will need to be done on the training ground. And uh, yeah, as I said, Track the Girls Talk podcast, me and Blue will talk about it more in depth. But yeah, it wasn't a good day at the office. And as you said, a lot of town fans who maybe don't go and see the women's team that often, they normally look at the result and go, yep, another win, happy days. But a lot of surprise faces, you know, that 3 0 defeat. And, uh, but a good crowd, 520 fans in attendance, which um, is great that the momentum of the Euros win has continued. And hopefully they'll continue that average attendance of 400, 500. Um, so hopefully there'll be some fans who, okay, went to the game, went, oh, that was rubbish. I'm not going to go again. Hopefully that, that won't be the case. Hopefully they'll come back and um, keep the attendance growing. Because, um, yeah, women's football is only up, as, as we all know. Okay, so an early test of resilience for, for Joe Sheehan's side. When's Tractor Girls Talk going to hit the streets, as it were, Ross? We're recording it tomorrow morning, so um, it should be with you tomorrow afternoon or whenever we decide to put it out, Heathy. When do you reckon? When should we put it out? Wednesday morning? 
yeah, Wednesday morning, get ready for it. There we go. The first Trapped Girls talk of the season. Look forward to that, Rossi. Always a good listen. Um, there's it's, it's really been two since you know the season started, but yeah, it, the first one to talk about the first game, but yeah. The first Tractor Girls talk of the season after a game has played. Yeah, probably. okay. It's, clear, okay. it's clearly okay. what I meant. Yes, um, yep. other, other things to mention, friends, we need your help. Um, it's it's awards season. Uh, the Football Content Awards nomination process come around again. We were shortlisted last year, cruelly denied what should have been ours in the uh, in the final in London. This this time, the awards is being held in Manchester, so we all fancy a little jolly trip to Manchester. Uh, if you do enjoy the show um, and we you would like to vote for us to win Best Podcast Brackets Football League, you can either go on Twitter and tweet your your vote for us. Or you can also, and actually do both, you can go onto the uh, the Football Content Awards website and vote um, via their form there. We'll share those again from our social medias. Three national awards we've been shortlisted for now. Hopefully this will be four, and hopefully we'll, we will finally lift that trophy. But your support, if you, I say, if you do enjoy the show, your support would be much appreciated. On that note, and obviously in terms of support, please support our sponsor, Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all that excellent clobber. Boys, Anything else, Stewie, Rossi, anything else to mention? No business. No other business. No other business. Right then, it's been a shambolic at times today, friends. Started with me stumbling over the intro as someone slammed the door somewhere. Um, hopefully this outro won't be quite as shambolic. I do apologise also for my dog snoring. He's now left the room as if he knows it's coming to an end. He's no longer irritating me. Friends, if you're down the top of the table, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. We'll be back later on this week to talk about the clash with Barnsley at the weekend. Have a great start to the week and we'll speak to you again then. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.